Welcome, everyone, to the bi-week edition of BAMS Radio. I'm Drew DeArmond. Uh, uh, we are here, as always, with our two compatriots, Thomas the Wizard Watts, Port City of Mobile, as he does a great job crunching the numbers, getting us on the air, and giving us his analytical takes and uh, outstanding thoughts on Alabama football. William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a national champion and a key insider, someone that is still very well connected to the University of Alabama football program. We're going to talk the bye week. We're going to talk a little bit of, uh, you know, of course, previewing Alabama's trip to Red Stick uh, to see LSU. LSU also off this week. So both of these teams trying to get healthy and uh, get ready for the stretch run. It's really a game that could decide the Western Division. And the Eastern Division will almost certainly be decided in Athens, Georgia, as we saw Tennessee just absolutely pound the Kentucky Wildcats 44-6 on Saturday night. And before that, of course, Georgia 42 and the Gators 20. Georgia just too much for them. That's going to put up a, make it a fascinating, fascinating pardon me, matchup in the SEC East for the championship. And I bring in William Redfish Barger. William, uh, I know we, we're going to talk mostly Alabama on this show. It's what it's about. But your thoughts just quickly on this Georgia-Tennessee matchup. Fascinating. Yeah, you know, I, I watched all of the um, Georgia-Florida game yesterday. And, um, it's probably the first time I've seen Georgia play, you know, a full game since um, early, mid-September. And, um, you know, it's there's a lot of things you can say about Georgia that are positive. I mean, I, I still think, uh, you know, this, this defense isn't the, the defense of the century like the one that they had last year. But they've still got a lot of good athletes. They fly to the ball very well. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of good players. Um, you know, it seems to me that they're running the football better this year than they did last year. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, Spencer, uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, look, you know, unlike the Stetson Bennett that we saw in the national championship game last year a couple times this year, he's – they still don't have a um, a real dynamic, consistent passing game, you know, except when Brock Bowers wants to show that he's the best tight end in the country, uh, which he certainly is. But I, I think, like you said, I think this Tennessee-Georgia uh, game is going to be very interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's going to put a lot of stress on Malachi Starks, who some thinks is the best true freshman corner. In college football, we'll, we'll find out for sure after Saturday. He's, he's going to have his hands full. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great game. And um, you know, I, I enjoyed the the round of football that I got to see yesterday. I got to watch the I don't know. I guess the second half of Auburn, Arkansas, all of Tennessee, and I mean, excuse me, all of uh, Georgia, Florida, and uh, you know, then all of the. Lane versus Jimbo matchup last night, which was pretty entertaining as well. Well, and, and Lane, of course, was quoted as saying 390 yards on a bunch of five stars. Pretty cool. He had some yeah. uh, choice words for Jimbo, uh, who I guess he's he's not a big fan either. And we are, in that regard, he and I are on the same page. Now, I, I, I'm not the biggest Lane Kiffin fan of his style of coaching, but I do uh, I think he's an outstanding offensive mind. And, Certainly his team survived last night, and Quinshawn Judkins proved I think he's the best freshman running back in the country. Uh, he had 200 yards himself, 
Uh, what a game for him. What a, That was a good win for Ole Miss. Uh, headed into their bye week as they'll prepare. And they'll be big LSU fans because – or excuse me, uh, pardon me, big Alabama fans because if Alabama beats LSU, uh, it still gives, uh, you know, Ole Miss a shot to win the SEC West with Alabama coming to town uh, to Oxford. So certainly they're going to want Alabama to help them out, no question about that. I still have questions about the Ole Miss passing game and their defense. Their defense to me leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, much like uh, Texas ATMs. But once again, Dirt Neck can't finish. They've lost four in a row for the first time, uh, you know, in a long, long time. So they, they'll they be lucky to be bowl eligible after all that money they spent on that recruiting class. And so it's interesting. They have talent, there's no question, uh, but they just can't seem to put it all together. It, it looks like a fractured football team. They're not on the same page. And on the other side of the coin, Tennessee is a team that's very much together. Uh, and then I thought it was interesting, William. Now, I, Kentucky's certainly not as talented as Alabama. We understand that. But as far, but they are solid defensively. And I thought it was interesting that much of the, some of the same things Tennessee did to Alabama to stress their secondary, they did it to Kentucky. Uh, they were able to get, uh, you know, Jalen Hyatt uh, in the one-on-one situations and for the big plays. And in the past, we've seen Kirby Smart's defense as his secondary not able to cover elite wide receivers. That's what's going to fascinate me about this. I would expect Kirby to be more aggressive in trying to get after the quarterback uh, than Alabama was. But can their secondary, you just mentioned the uh, outstanding freshman DB, Malachi Starks, can they hold up against what's going to be a, a Cedric Tillman who's back and Jalen Hyde and, you know, all these guys. That, it, it, what's turning into a really uh, uh, just uber-talented Tennessee offense. But I will say this about Tennessee, too. The one thing they're not getting enough credit for, William, is they're a much better running team than a year ago. Talking about Tennessee? Yes. Yes, yes. No, I, I agree. And um, You know, the, this 2022 Tennessee team specifically, their, their passing attack is, uh, excuse me, starting to remind me a little bit of the, the dynamic of when Steve Spurrier's fun and gun yeah. – uh, you know, first hit the SEC in the early 90s. Um, you know, it's, it's it's predicated on some good players, don't get me wrong, but there's there's a solid scheme involved there. There's some trickeration involved there. And, you know, I'm just wondering if, you know, is Kirby, Kirby and uh, Glenn Schumann going to be the first people to, you know, not only be able to figure it out, but also have the personnel to shut it down or slow it down, I should say. Um, you know, it's... Spurrier's was predicated on, you know, two wide receivers crossing each other, you know, 15 to 18 yards down the field. And, you know, hype was starting to show a lot of the similarities. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, uh, you know, they're they're not one-dimensional. They weren't one-dimensional against Alabama. They can run the ball. Um, And, and, you know, albeit uh, Alabama didn't have a lot of success at putting pressure uh, on Hendon Hooker, um, and, and you know some of that was by design. Some of it was that you know Tennessee may have um, you know the best right tackle in the SEC in Darnell Wright. We'll see how he fares against uh, you know Georgia's edge rushers this, this coming Saturday. But he did a fantastic job against uh, Alabama's edge rushers. He did, and you know, and and you've also got Bree McCoy. You've got. Just a lot of different guys uh, that can catch the football for Tennessee, and 
Uh, I've just been impressed with the way they've grown. There's no question about that. And then, you know, as we know, they beat Alabama 52 to 49, and and uh, in in a high scoring football game. We uh, talked about ad nauseum what we thought happened in the game, but uh, I, I got it, and I got to give Ramel Keaton a lot of credit too. He's developed into a solid threat. So I'm just going to be really interested to see how they match up against Georgia. I have favored Georgia, and I still probably would in a close game, just simply because I think it's in Athens and. I think that Georgia's more talented offensively than anybody but Alabama that they've seen. And Georgia will probably have a better plan on defense. But like we said, can they still slow down this Tennessee offense? That's what's going to be fascinating. And, Thomas, I know you got a lot of thoughts on Alabama-LSU, but I just wanted to get your thoughts really quickly on that fascinating matchup uh, with uh, Georgia and Tennessee. Well, one of the things that's interesting is – Georgia is not really a ground-and-pound team. They're throwing the ball more. They're being yeah. effective throwing the ball. That's really Tennessee's weakness. I mean, it, it, yeah, they're secondary. You're right, yeah. And so I, I, think this, uh, if, I think this could be a basketball on turf game. But the real thing is, you know, what, what takeaways from Alabama can a Kirby Smart get? Well, the few times that Alabama was able to heat Hendon Hooker up, he, he didn't come unglued, but he did have some mistakes. Does he force something like that? Frankly, Stetson Bennett probably should have thrown a pick six on the first, uh, either the first or second offensive series for Georgia yesterday. But you know, that didn't happen. I, I just overall, I think it's going to be a really fascinating game. It does a lot of good for Alabama because Alabama is not going to have to deal with the week of LSU-Alabama one versus two hype that that game is going to receive Tennessee-Georgia. I saw the early line, I believe, was Georgia by 10, and that's a really high line. But at the same time, I'll give you an argument for it and against it. If you look at the Alabama-Tennessee game, I mean, Alabama was kicking to win that football game before everything went to pieces, 49-49. And the number of things it took to get to that point, breaking Tennessee's way, the number of penalties, the drops, you know, you know, check it all off. It it was, and we don't need to rehash it, but you know, that was, that was almost everything possible breaking Tennessee's way and they still barely pulled it off. Well, I don't think that's something you can base a game plan on. And I think that's really one of the things you could have, an interesting situation where what happens if Georgia gets up and starts taking the air out of the ball? They're not really as good a running team, but they're going to darn sure try if they get up two scores. I think Georgia's going to win, but I think it's going to be another instant classic. And we'll have a pretty good idea of what's what about halfway through the first quarter, because if basketball on turf breaks out, you got to like Tennessee. But if Georgia's able to learn the bits and pieces from the Alabama game, and leverage those, I think Georgia could win the game going away. But we'll see, Drew. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. Next weekend with Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama, LSU, if you're just an SEC football fan, you're going to want to basically become one with your couch and, <laughs> and never leave because the from the 230 block on, you're just stuck. You're, you should just find your, find your spot and understand that the only time you're going to the restroom is during a commercial break. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And 
Going to be a great game. I, I did look at the line. You're right. It's Georgia by nine. That does seem a little high. Alabama, a 12-point favorite over LSU and Red Stick. Uh, Auburn has fallen on hard times. They are a 12-and-a-half-point dog in Starkville, which is interesting. And then uh, and then uh, Florida is actually a three-and-a-half-point dog at Texas ATM. Uh, and then Missouri, what a, what a job for them. I mean, I, here I am thinking South Carolina's disimproved football team, and Missouri just absolutely pops them by double digits on the road. So Mizzou is four and four and they will host Kentucky. And who knows if Kentucky, you know, how, if, how what, what football we're going to see out of them after getting absolutely drubbed uh, by uh, Tennessee. But this is going to be an interesting game for Alabama. A lot of it has to do with the injury report and how many guys Alabama can get back. I think if they can get the majority of these guys back for this game, uh, they do have the much better roster and they will win this game impressively. But, I'm also going to be interested to see what they did self-scouting-wise during the bye week and what we may see out of this offense, William. Uh, certainly, it was a uh, it was not a pretty performance against Mississippi State, but I think Zach Arnett, the state defense, has some things to do with that. But going to be interested to see uh, who all returns to the lineup for Alabama and if they can get Seth McLaughlin back at the center spot. Yeah, it's, you know, I think we'll probably you know know by Wednesday. You know, who's going to be available and who's not, obviously. I don't expect Nick Saban to advertise any of it. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens against LSU. Um, you know, this wasn't a very good football team last year at this time. And, you know, they gave Alabama all they wanted. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde season for, you know, LSU breaking in a new head coach, breaking in, a, you know, a new transfer quarterback. You know, having to start some true freshmen on your offensive line. So, you know, it's, it's not been an easy job. You know, they've able to, you know, been able to beat some people that they probably nobody was expecting them to win. And, uh, you know, they, they bounced back pretty well, in my opinion, from, uh, you know, just getting shellacked by, by Tennessee a few weeks ago. Uh, but you know, Alabama t- historically plays pretty well in Baton Rouge. And, um, you know, if they can get healthy and, and you know, kind of get into a rhythm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in this game, really, in seeing how Alabama's offense performs. Um, you know, there's there's not really a lot of things um, that this LSU offense does really well mm-hmm. other than, you know, let's snap the ball to, you know, Jake Daniels and just let him play, you know, backyard football. Which he does a lot of, and is very good at extending plays with his speed. Um, and he's got some weapons to get the ball down the field to if he's, you know, accurate on that particular day. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, uh, you know, one of the reasons that Brian Kelly came to, to the SEC was because he wanted to compete, you know, compete against Nick Saban, and you know, see if he's ever going to be able to, you know, conquer that mountain climb. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's always one of my favorite games of the year, no matter what year it is. It's just a, a great rivalry. And, um, you know, you've got the, you know, Alabama does a lot of recruiting in LSU in the, in the state of Louisiana. And, uh, you know, you've got, of course, the, um, you know, the scorned, scorned woman syndrome. I still a lot of LSU fans with Nick Saban. Um, so, you know, there's always a lot of good storylines attached to it as well. Yeah, there really is. It's, and I'm going to be interested to see, you know, how Alabama's offensive line can block that LSU front. I think they're 
D-line, even with the injury to Mason Smith, is probably their strength. Their secondary is terrible. Uh, and that even their, the media that cover them will tell you that. They haven't been able to stop passing attacks. Just to put it in perspective, Thomas Watson, I know you're a numbers cruncher. Robbie Ashford, let me say that again. Robbie Ashford threw for over 300 yards against this team. Yeah, so Not a good look. Let's go with not no, a good look. <laughs> no. I, I would be surprised if Alabama cannot have success throwing the football, but at the same time, they need to get back to running it well. Uh, they need to get uh, Jameer Gibbs going. Uh, and, you know, and, and I know they'd like to get, you know, Jace McClellan more involved. And I, I'd like to see him finish the season strong. He hasn't quite been as good as I thought he would. Uh, but to, to me, this is I'm expecting Alabama to put up 35 plus in this game. And I think the defense can get after Jaden Daniels. Honestly, if he takes off running some, I don't think it's a bad thing because it means he's not getting the ball to these wide receivers who are talented. Um, I don't think their backfield is supremely talented either. Uh, you know, the Williams kid, I think, is their leading rusher. He's a former walk-on. He's a solid guy. Uh, but Alabama, first and foremost, they've got to stop the run. Uh, you have to make that team one-dimensional, whether it's containing Daniels and keeping him in front of you or stopping, uh, you know, their tailback. But Alabama has to do that. And I still say, I know the officiating was horrible, but that was the biggest reason they didn't beat Tennessee, Thomas. They gave up 180 yards rushing to uh, the Vols, and and Kentucky gave up 177 last night. You've got to be able to make a team one-dimensional and put more pressure on the quarterback. And if you put them in long yardage situations, that a lot of times is what happens. You end up forcing turnovers. And, you know, Alabama, when they put Tennessee in a couple of difficult situations, they got one interception. They nearly got another one. We know what happened on that call. But still, you've got to put some stress and pressure on the quarterback. And, and one way to do that is to stop the run. Absolutely. And before listeners get the impression that LSU is Tennessee and Tennessee is LSU, they're radically different offenses. And right. the thing about – I think the thing that jumps out the most to me for LSU is that they complete a ton of passes. They're ninth in the country at 68% completion percentage. But they're 63rd in the country at 7.5 yards per pass. What that means is this LSU offense is more is more concerned with efficiency. They want to stay you know, positive down in distance. You're second and six, you're third and three, you're third and one, et cetera. Whereas Tennessee wants to blow the top off a lot, which obviously they did against Alabama. They did it against Tech, uh, against Kentucky, excuse me. Be interested to see if they can do it against Georgia. But anyway, LSU wants to stay efficient. And really what they want to do is lean on the rush, as you were saying, Drew. I yeah. mean, they have they, – they're about 50-50 about rush pass, but a lot, some of that is Jaden Daniels just ad-libbing. If LSU gets off schedule, you have to feel really, really good for this Alabama defense just because, you know, Jaden Daniels is not going to start throwing 15-yard down and outs on third and 12. That's not his game. That's not where he wants to be. And, you know, you look at going back to the Tennessee game, the Tennessee-LSU game, some of those stats are a little bizarre because LSU's offensive line was their weakest, their weakest is their weakest position group or their youngest. And then they lost some people. So they were thin on the line and then they lost a couple of folks. But Tennessee was able to shut down LSU's rushing attack. And, you know, Jane Daniels threw for a ton of yards in that game. But they didn't really matter. 
because the efficiency wasn't there. And remember that LSU went for it on fourth down four or five times in that game. So I think Alabama should expect to have some success slowing down the rushing attack. And, you know, to really make you make you very happy if you're an Alabama fan, talking about defense, I mean, Alabama is allowing 2.7 yards per rush. And that's with the Tennessee statistics factored in. So you got to feel really good about Alabama's ability to slow the rush down. Now, that was predicated on what is the health of a Jaheim Otis or a DJ Dale or others. If those players are available, I think it's fair to assume that this Alabama defense will make the LSU offense inefficient. I don't see a basketball on turf game breaking out here, but I do think Alabama can win, and I think they should be able to cover. And you want to talk about completely flipping the Alabama season narrative on its head. Because what have we what have we talked about multiple times? Alabama on the road is well, it's Alabama on the road. Well, okay. One of the thing, and I want to actually push back a little bit on that, even though I've said that. Alabama on the road this year has played a good Texas team, a great Tennessee team, and had weird circumstances in their in the Arkansas game. Those are three things that are, you can't really draw a ton of conclusions from. Yes, I understand Alabama wasn't very good last year against Auburn. I get that. But I would argue that some of Alabama on the road woes have been because of the competition that they've played. LSU's another good team, but the narrative completely shifts if Alabama covers going into Baton Rouge. Because, spoiler alert, Alabama's offense is so good at running the football that Ole Miss is going to be a Really, really tough ask for that defense to slow the tight offense down in two weeks, Drew. But we'll talk about that after the LSU-Bama game. Yeah, we will. And, of course, LSU does have a talented receiver group. Butte hasn't put up, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, just video game stats, but he's capable. Ryan Thomas, another guy Alabama pursued. Uh, he's a talented player. Um, you know, they've got they, – they, They've got, you know, three or four guys that are very, very good. Uh, they got the young tight end, Taylor, Jason Taylor's uh, son, who Coach Saban coached with the Dolphins. Uh, you know, so they've got some weapons. There's no doubt about it. Um, I do think their offensive lines are a work in progress. Will Campbell's a really good freshman left tackle, uh, but they have been had to move guys around a lot, and their own line has struggled. Probably played their best game against uh, Ole Miss, but Ole Miss is terrible on defense. And that's one other reason why. And if you can turn Ole Miss over, too, they're going to be in big, big trouble. And then that's also counting what Lane tries to do on fourth down at times. But, again, uh, I just think when you look at it, uh, LSU and Alabama, you know, I feel pretty good about it now. I, I thought going into the season they were the two best teams in the SEC West. It's played out that way. Now, I'll really admit I'm going to be disappointed in this Alabama team if they can't go up to Red Stick and win because I think they have the better football team. Uh, now, a lot of that is uh, dependent on health, and we know how banged up Alabama was. They didn't have Seth McLaughlin in the last game. They need him back. Um, you know, I think Gibbs was banged up and slowed down a little bit. I think McClellan's been banged up. Hopefully this uh, week of rest has really helped them. Um, certainly uh, the wide receiver core seems to be, uh, you know, relatively healthy, uh, and uh, hopefully they're going to be uh, good to go, ready to roll. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see if they work in any new wrinkles, any new guys. Uh, you know, we talked about Tyler Farrell. He got a catch for 12 yards and we found out through really good intel that he had a broken foot. 
and that's why he wasn't, uh, you know, practicing for so long. And now it's back. He, the last two weeks, he's been able to try to be himself, and he could make some big plays against that LSU secondary, no doubt about it, with his speed. And, and William, I think that's the one thing we need to see, and you've talked about it in past shows, we need to see a, 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 a speed element to this offense, and hopefully Bond is a guy that can, can continue to develop in that area because he has really good speed, but a guy like Morrell would help as well. Well, and, and you know, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy here, but, you know, one thing to keep in mind about Tyler Harrell's broken foot, um, this has been a chronic problem for him uh, going back to two years ago at Louisville. Um, right. And it's, it's been, you know, something that's, you know, hindered him in his career up to this stage. So hopefully maybe Alabama's medical staff was, you know, able to come up with a plan and, and, and you know, make this more of a long-term solution. Versus what it has been thus far in his career, but yeah, I think you know Isaiah Bond's a guy that Alabama would you know, love to see continue to develop. I think he certainly has earned uh, you know more touches uh, with the way he's performed um, in limited action so far in his career. Um, yeah, I think you know easily you know him and Prentice and Corey Brooks have been the most uh, explosive and and you know in, in certain instances consistent. Um, you know, of the receivers so far. Um, so, you know, add Harrell. Um, you know, I'd still love to see, um, you know, versus having him be cast where the friendly ghost and, and making guest appearances to the tune of five plays a game. I'd, I'd love to see Amari Nyblak get more involved in the offense. Um, I think that's just a, a waste of talent that they're not utilizing. Um you know, whether, whether he's ready or not, you're not going to find out unless you get the targets when the bright lights are on. So, you know, and, and you know, something that, uh, you know, Thomas was talking about, you know, this, this 2022 Alabama team, uh, you know, being better than last year's team. And, you know, the proof in the pudding is starting to come out. I'll go to my grave last year. I'm, you know, my grave over what happened last year at the right tackle position. Um, I think that J.C. Latham would have been just as good last year at right tackle um, as he is this year had he been given the opportunity to get those reps um, and, and develop early on. I mean, he's turning into an absolute stud uh, in the month of October for Alabama this year, but I think that was a huge mistake um, from, a, from a personnel standpoint last year to just constantly keep putting a guy out there that had proven over and over again that, he wasn't physically capable of playing that position. We had somebody that was standing over there on the sideline holding his helmet that perfectly was. So, um, you know, congrats to J.C. Latham. Uh, you know, maybe a surprise to some Alabama fans, but it's damn sure not to me how he's performing right now. Well, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna piggyback off something about that. You know, they've had a rotation going on at guard, and, uh, you know, we've all, uh, you know, been watching it, and we know that uh, – uh, as we've said, that uh, that we, we knew going into the season that uh, that you know that uh, of some of the issues that uh, you know that they had had personnel-wise uh, with uh, you know the O line and at the guard spot, uh, we knew that uh, that uh, you know these guys were uh, talented, you know, and uh, as far as it, you had a guy like Emil Ekior who was returning, you know, from. Uh, you know, a, a, a season that wasn't quite as good the year before, but he'd proven 
uh, in 2020 uh, that he could, you know, play at a very high level uh, for Alabama along the O-line. And uh, so I, I, I was confident in him coming into the year. But uh, we know we knew JV and Cohen went through some issues. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we knew Tyler Booker was getting a long look in camp. And he's been in and out of the lineup. It seems to me when Seth McLaughlin and Booker are in the game, they run the ball better, especially inside. Do you think we're still going to see the rotation, William? Or are you hoping that maybe they just they, they decide on the, uh, the 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 regulars at guard, whether it's Echior or what and Cohen or 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 uh, Echior and Booker or Cohen and Booker? Uh, to me, I still think that Booker needs to be one of those guys, and if, and I I, I I almost really prefer it when it's Booker. And Echior, because Echior has a little bit more experience uh, than Cohen. But your thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, I obviously think, uh, you know, the, the best offensive line starting five that I've seen this year at times is, you know, Steen at left tackle, uh, Booker at left guard, McLaughlin at center, Echior at right guard, and J.C. Latham at right tackle. Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of numbers you could go out there and grab that, that would, you know, prove that correct. Um, you know, and, and I would say, you know, certainly he hasn't been the miracle worker that a lot of people uh, were claiming that he was in the summer. But certainly I think this offensive line uh, has made some mild improvements in certain areas. They've gotten better in sacks allowed. Uh, they've gotten better and well, they got better until the Mississippi State game um, at rushing the football. So, you know, there's been some bright spots at times, um, you know, and this will be their first, uh, you know, trip back into a hostile environment uh, since the trip to Knoxville. Now, this isn't as, you know, near as uh, hostile of an environment as, as Knoxville is when uh, UT's playing for something, but it's still one of the most challenging places to play on the road, uh, not just in the SEC, but also in the country. So, you know, I think I would say early on I would watch for uh, pre-snap penalties due to the noise. Uh, you know, you, you want to see some good communication. Um, you know, I would like to see this offense go more up-tempo. They seem to execute better versus, you know, speaking for freaking, you know, 1.2 seconds left on the freaking clock, snap the football. Um, so, you know, there's things I think that they still have on the table in front of them. Um, you know, Drew, whether they pulled the trigger on the, the Tyler Booker deal, I don't know. But, you know, there are still some things out there, I think, that, that Alabama can do as, as a coaching staff and as a uh, an offensive unit that can make this, you know, 2022 offense better. Yeah, I don't think she does. I do think they need to get more attention. And I hope we see a cut down on the penalties like we did in the last game. We we saw barely any uh, in that game, uh, you know. Uh, well, now, you know, there's no anxiety playing at home, Drew. No anxiety. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, uh, that, I know anxiety's been a big word. This or, year. God, or God help them. If there is, there's no hope for them. <laughs> well, hopefully this team is going to start coming into its own. And, you know, they, they in the past, Nick Saban kind of built his teams on being able to uh, you know, play well on the road and and you know and play you know and kind of take the crowd out of the game. They need to do this with this team because the longer LSU stays in the game, the more confident their team will get, the more confident the fans will get. The one thing I got to give Tennessee credit for, and, and LSU did some of that to themselves with the turnover. 
I thought that uh, Tennessee just took it to LSU and took their crowd out of the game. And I think that's what Alabama needs to do. They need to come out and start fast. If they win the toss, I would even ask for the football uh, and try to take the crowd out of the game because I just don't want them, you know, being able to to uh, to be able to stay in it and continue to gain confidence because I think their team has gotten better, no doubt about it. But uh, still, I don't think that it's as good as Alabama's. And uh, Thomas, I'll bring the you know the conversation back to you. I mean, I know you've been studying and breaking the numbers down. You've already gone into some of the details, but uh, to me, it still seems like Alabama uh, should uh, should win this game. I. I'm, I haven't totally decided on my pick yet. I, I've had said 35 points plus, like as far as for, for points scored. I'm 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 leaning along the lines of a of a 38 to 20 type game. But what are, what are your thoughts? So, just want to touch on one thing briefly. The big reason that this Alabama team statistically is at least in the realm of last year's, if not a little right. bit better, is specifically because of the offensive line. Uh, Alabama's offensive line, by any statistical measure last year, was mediocre to bad. And calling yeah. them mediocre is being kind. This year, they've turned in an exceptionally good pass-blocking grade. And Alabama, just as many fans know, they lead the country at six yards per rush. So the offense continues to be efficient. It's one of the, they're one of the only teams to have both a top – uh, top 10 offensive and defense, defensive efficiency. And when you look at games like this, you really look at major break points. And I know I highlighted it before, but one of the things that jumps out to me is LSU really, really wants to be efficient. Alabama's really, really good at making you inefficient. And that's we've seen that play out. Like Alabama wants you to execute for anywhere from 10 to 15 to 18 plays in a row and drive the field. And if you're able to do that, you score a touchdown, tip your hat, go back in, we'll do it all over again. That's what, and that's, but the, that's LSU's game. But that's really all LSU can do. So I really think that there's a chance for this Alabama defense to force LSU to be inefficient and game on from there. I, I do think that. Alabama is they they needed this bye week. Like one of the things that I think I know I had to check myself on Drew is how much better the competition was for the 2021 Alabama team versus this 2022 group. Um, Alabama had a really tough, tough early part of the season, as tough as you'd find in the country, and that grinds a group down. So. You know, I, I really like where this Alabama group team team is. Excuse me. Uh, even with, uh, just throw another stat at you. Even with the Tennessee game factored in, they're fifth in the country in four point one yards per play. That's really, 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 really good. I mean, really good. That's what you want. So, I, I think Alabama can come in, take the crowd out of it, as you said, and just do what they do. I think one of the things, when you go back, you watch the Mississippi State tape, I think Bryce Young's shoulder really started to bother him towards the latter half of that game because his accuracy fell off a cliff. And, you know, that's unfortunate, and and it's going to happen. But if if Bryce Young, if we get first-half Mississippi State Bryce Young in terms of where he was placing the ball 
that's a real, real easy, quick way to know that Alabama is going to put a lot of pressure on this LSU team. Now, one thing I will say about LSU, some of their stats are a little bit weird because I think the team itself has gotten a lot better. Like LSU as a group has has become a lot better from that first week against Florida State to now. But still, when you look at that their statistics just as an entire snapshot, not not bad, not great. They the, the, it's just efficient team that's going to make you it's going it's going to try and drive on you and make a big play or two on defense, but their defense is not great either. I think it's fair to be confident if you're an Alabama fan. And I looked at the over-under, Drew. You know, you mentioned, I believe, 38-20 or something like that. I'm sorry. The over-under is yeah. 56.5 on a 12 – on a 16 on, – on I mean, the over-under is 58.5 on a 12.5-point line. So that's pretty close to what you're thinking. I, I think Alabama can really use this to make a statement and springboard. This is going to be the healthiest Alabama has seen, assuming everybody is who we think will be available is. And I, I think that Alabama is going to get a big cover and the season narrative is going to radically shift. Now, ironically, it's going to radically shift because if Alabama beats LSU, it's going to really set up a, a winner-take-all game, first against Ole Miss, but also against whoever wins that Tennessee Georgia game in the SEC championship. So I get the feeling that BAM's radio next weekend, should Alabama win the day, is going to be particularly spicy as the narrative shifts left, right, and center, Drew. Yeah, I was just looking at stats, too. You know, even even with the last game, we could tell Gibbs was, you know, hampered. I mean, he wasn't 100%. I think he had 10 carries for 37 yards. He had that 19 of them on one carry for a touchdown. But think about this. Um, 98 carries, 672 yards, almost seven yards per carry with six touchdowns, even with that game uh, in the in the book. So Gibbs has had a really good year, one of the best backs in the SEC. He also has 300 re- uh, receiving yards on 31 uh, uh, catches. So he's had a, a nine total touchdowns. I still think his best football is ahead of him. And I guess, William, the thing that at least I'm still hoping for with this Alabama team is that we haven't seen them put together, you know, 60 minutes of football yet and play their best football. I just think, to me, this is an Alabama team with room to still grow, and I guess that's the encouraging thing. Now, they have, they have to do it. You know, it's, it's we're, we're eight games in. They need to start turning that corner, but I still think their best football is ahead of them. Well, and, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And if we want to start having a weekly anxiety award watch list, um, I, I think the guy that's probably going to be heading that list up is a guy that has could play a big role, um, you know, in this Alabama defense taking that next step. But imagine the week that one Eli Ricks is fixing to have. Wow, yeah, um, good point. Yeah. You know, coming off, coming off that Mississippi State performance where he was magical, um, you know, wanting to, you know, you know, and hopefully somebody's smart enough to keep his ass off the social media this week. <laughs> if not, he deserves, he, he deserves what he gets. But, uh, you know, going, going back to his former school, um, you know, on prime time, 
got some pretty decent wide receivers he's going to have to deal with. So, I mean, I think he's a guy that can play a big role in this football game. I mean, if he can just play half as well, uh, you know, this Saturday as he did, you know, against Mississippi State, let's be honest, this is a much, much upgraded product and wide receiver that he's going to be facing versus what he saw, um, you know, last Saturday. But um, I, I think he's a guy, Drew, that I would put, you know, at the top of my list on, on your statement of, you know, this team still has a chance to grow with what's left out there in front of it. You know, if you can get a, a second lockdown corner to complement Kool-Aid McKinstry, and right now it looks like Ricks is, you know, on his way to being that guy. Now, all of a sudden, um, you, you fix a lot of things, um, you know, that, that have ailed you going into, you know, possibly a, a matchup with Georgia or a rematch with Tennessee in the FCC championship game. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's going to be a situation where, uh, you know, uh, Ricks, there's going to be a lot of emotion because he's going back to play his former squad. He's coming off his best game in an Alabama uniform, but you know how will he play in this game? You know, is uh, you know don't let your emotions get the best of you. You got to just you know, you got to play good football. You got to play team ball as well. Don't try to be a hero. Don't try to do too much. Just uh, you know, continue to assert yourself. And it's a good point. I mean, how is Alabama secondary going to line up? Are they going to put three corners on the field? Uh, are they going to take a, a guy like maybe a DeMarco Hellens and cut his snaps down because uh, of this LSU offense, or do they think that they that they can keep him at the 60 DB in the box? It's going to be really interesting, you know. I, I, I and that's one of some of the things we may not know until the game gets underway. But certainly looking forward to that, no question about it. And it's going to be interesting. And uh, I know Thomas has said he thinks that Alabama may cover in this game. Uh, you know, but uh, for both of you, I guess I'll I'll start with you, William. What's your feel early in the week? You know about how this uh, game may turn out for Alabama. I'm gonna go 34 to 23, Drew. 34, 23, Alabama. So he's got him just under that 12 and a half. I've got him just over it. I've got 38 to 20. What about you, Thomas? So one point uh, that needs to be said: Keyshawn Butte has started to spend a lot of his time in the slot. And that's yeah. where Tennessee made most of their gains against Alabama. Now, does Alabama adjust, or do you just trust? You know, how, really, how does Alabama adjust will be interesting. I I think Alabama is going to win this game, but I think it's going to be closer. I mean, I, I just until Alabama goes out and covers a spread against a truly elite team. And I mean, LSU is a LSU's in that group in the top fifteen to twenty where it's a grab bag. I mean, they're they're not a top five team by any efficiency metric or any metric period outside of this completion percentage thing. But you know, they're they're a good team at home. Until Alabama does that on the road, that's a question that I don't think they're going to be able to answer. Give me thirty four twenty eight Alabama. Ugh, Alabama, excuse me. It's, you know, it's going to be closer than the experts predict. But if no matter what to me, if Alabama comes out and takes care of business, the season's completely back on track and we ride on into Oxford to set up what's going to be a wild November, Drew. Yeah, it'll be a wild November and we'll have a good idea of, you know, uh, you know when uh, and who is going to get to 
Uh, you know, the uh, SEC championship game in Atlanta, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and then, you know, it, but I, I did want to end, uh, you know, the, the show and talk about uh, the uh, uh, the uh, exhibition game Alabama played in basketball. It doesn't count in the standings by any stretch of the imagination, but they played Southern Illinois, uh, you know, a very good mid-major program. He's got a lot of history as a uh, – giant killer and has been to the NCAA tournament. Alabama uh, wins the game 73-64, to 64, and I know that may be a little close for some, but they actually allowed Southern Illinois to um, score the last 12 points of the game. So they were up 20-plus uh, with just, you know, about four or five minutes left in the game. They didn't shoot the ball well from three. They weren't very good. They were three for 22, but they out-rebounded the Salukis 46-29. to 29. Uh, They did force about 16, 17 turnovers in the game. Uh, Noah Clowney, the freshman that I think has been, uh, you know, uh, kind of underestimated in this deal. Uh, he, he had a really solid performance, 6.8 rebounds, and he won the hard hat award. Noah Gurley, the senior that returned, uh, that transferred from Furman, had 12 in the game. Mark Sears from my area, the transfer from Ohio, 13 points in his first game. Not a real one, but 13 points, two assists for him. Uh, Brandon Miller, the freakazoid freshman, did not hit a three in this game, and he can—he's definitely is a going to be a guy that could make threes during the season. But he ended up with a game high 14. Nick Pringle, the JUCO transfer, who got there late uh, and wasn't healthy at first, came off the bench to give him 10 and eight. And so, and they don't still don't have Charles Bediaco, their uh, starting center. He is out, and they had Namari Burnett on a minutes restriction. So, still, I thought a solid performance from Alabama against a pretty good team an exhibition game, and they'll start the season in about a week or so as uh, as they're going to get underway. But just wanted to kind of give my thoughts on the, a little bit of the basketball team there, uh, and I'll give some more thoughts uh, as the season, uh, you know, opens up and, and they start to, you know, to play, and uh, and the games are going to be uh, counting for real. But I thought it was solid. They played in the Foster Auditorium in front of students, so it was a small crowd. But, uh, again, in a uh, kind of a tight uh, – in tight quarters, but they played well. They won the game, and so just wanted to give a slight update on that. Uh, but again, we look forward to this game with LSU. Uh, it's going to be one of the forks in the road games. Is Alabama a true contender for the SEC Western Division, and can they get to Atlanta? We'll know after Saturday night because they have to win this game. They have no, uh, you know, margin for error. There's, there's absolutely, uh, you know, uh, there should be a sense of urgency. After dropping that game against Tennessee, they still got all their goals in front of them. I saw some Heisman polls. Some didn't have Bryce Young in it, which I think is disgraceful. Uh, I, I definitely think he's still a Heisman candidate. Uh, no question in my mind. But, again, uh, that, that Alabama will have a chance to prove that on Saturday night at Red Stick. And William played there many times. Alabama's had a lot of success, as he mentioned. So we'll see if they continue their good play in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. But, for Thomas the Wizard Watt, for William Redfish Barger, I'm Drew Yarman. I hope we can want to continue to thank everyone for supporting BAMS Radio and for listening, and we enjoy bringing it to you each and every week. Uh, and we will certainly be back next Sunday to recap Alabama LSU and where this Alabama program goes from there. And we may even have some more recruiting conversation because Alabama spent the week recruiting Cormani McClain, their cornerback target, did not go to Alabama. He didn't go to Florida, as expected. He took the NIL money from Mario Cristobal in Miami, and the Miami Hurricanes 
won a game this past Saturday without scoring an offensive touchdown, and it went four overtimes. Show you how bad that game against Virginia was, 14-12. to 12, Hurricanes win. We will certainly be talking Alabama next week and hopefully a big win over LSU. And, a, as, as uh, Thomas said, setting up a huge game in Oxford, Mississippi, uh, where if that would be the de facto Western Division Championship game because LSU would be out of it. It would be either Alabama or Ole Miss. And the winner would very likely be going to Atlanta. But we'll talk about that next week. We appreciate everybody. Have a great rest of your Sunday. I'm Drew Armand for Thomas and for William. Good night, everybody, and roll tide.